Well, my name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Harvest Church. And, um, you know, they didn't want me to be too full of myself, so they lowered me today to this. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's been in the works for a long time. But I was thinking, I usually walk from here to there. And now, anyway, I won't fall. So, yes. The kids are already leaving. Before I even let you know that Celebration Kids, you can be dismissed now to go celebrate Jesus some more in your classes. And um, that is, that's awesome. Okay. <clears throat> we have right before, um, right before I start um, praying for, about the word and bringing bring in what I have from, I believe, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have a team that we're sending out to Guatemala. So if you are part of that team, make your way up to the front while I talk about you. And um, yes. We are sending the cream of the crop. We are sending people who know Spanish, people who don't know Spanish, but everybody who knows Jesus and his power, we're sending to Guatemala. We also want to send uh, $4,000, and if you want to give toward that, they want to come with money in hand to bless, to bless, to bless. If you've ever been to um, a country south of the border, you know that they want to give, give, give to this team. And so we want to give back to them. And so if you would help us in that, we would love it. But um, I would just like to pray over the team. I'd like to have some of you who feel like you have connections with any of these people come up quickly and let's pray. Lay hands on them quickly, right? <clears throat> Nobody feels connected. Okay, come on, come on. You can do this. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for these who have volunteered their time, their resources, and Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. We send them forth in the same way as the church in Antioch sent out Paul. We send them with power. We send them with your glory. We send them with your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the impact that they will make in people's lives. We thank you, Lord, that when we give to you, we are given back to you. So we thank you, Lord, they're going to come back stronger, not weaker. They're going to come back full of the power of the Holy Spirit and full of the goodness of the Lord and the goodness, the good things that you have done and will do in Guatemala. We bless them. We ask for the fire of the Lord to go with them. We ask God that you would be glorified, that you'd be magnified as they go. Lord, I pray that you bless their trip, bless every part of it, Lord, when they start off on the trip and even now and when they come back home lord bless every step that they take in the name of jesus amen <clears throat> okay thank you um ushers uh, if you don't have a bible and you need a bible you, um and you don't have one you left yours at home or you don't want to use your phone today or whatever, raise your hand, and the ushers will come and give you, um, give you a, a Bible so that you can follow along with where we're going. Okay. <clears throat> okay, we've heard that um, 
All my life I've heard, because I was raised in the church, I've always heard that Jesus wants to have, God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you that's ongoing, and he wants to have, your relationship with Jesus should be better now than it ever was before. And everybody smiles and nods, and nobody knows what they're doing. You know, like, what do you mean by that? Have a relationship. Never was explained. It never was given any kind of, at least in, in my, in my um, where, where I grew up, in my <clears throat> little environment, uh, was never explained. And so I'm going to give some explanation to that, maybe. Um, some of you already know what I'm going to say because you've experienced it. Somehow you caught it. And you know that your relationship with God needs to be ongoing, ongoing and growing. And um, so we're created for that purpose. God wants us, he created us to have relationship with us. He didn't create us just to be over there and, oh, yeah, I did that and I did this and did all these wonderful things. No, he did a special thing with us, created us in his image to have relationship with him. He wants a monologue with us. He wants a dialogue with us, not a monologue. A lot of times we have a monologue with God. Have you ever done this? Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Ask you to bless this. Oh, Father, I need that. Would you please help me here, Lord? We just thank you, Father, all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye. You don't listen. We don't engage. We don't ask questions. We just have a monologue. And we don't give space for God to speak. So he gives us things to inspire that communion. And he gives us things to inspire questions. He tells, he is the one who is intimate with us. At least wants to be. You can't have intimate relationship with someone who else doesn't, doesn't want it. You ever tried to be friends with somebody who doesn't want you to be a friend? <laughs> it, it doesn't work. And God says, I want to be your friend. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your Savior. I want to be everything to you. And we go, okay. And we basically do nothing on our side to do that. So we're going to go through some things about what we can do. He gives us things. Prophecy is one of those things. Prophecy in the Word of God. There's a lot of questions there. If you're at a prophetic word and go, what does that mean? Okay. Well, that's a good question. You should ask him. Not just ask the air or just say, oh. A lot of times we read the word and we go, oh, I don't get that. I knew I couldn't understand the word. And we stop. God has given us the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to us. So he has given us the ability and the desire to ask questions. We ask questions. I don't get that. I don't know what that means. So we close the book and decide, oh, we can't understand it. We need to have somebody explain it to us. And you do. It's called the Holy Spirit. That's who needs to explain it to us. And we're going to talk a little bit about the ahas of God Situations in life cause us to question, what in the world is happening? You ever been there? Yeah? So, who do you ask? I hope you ask God. There's a lot of times people, when, when people come to me and ask me questions uh, like that, I say, well, what did you, what did God say to you when you asked him? And they go, uh, when I, what? 
When you ask God your question, what did he say to you? Oh, I don't think I asked him. So you're asking me before you ask God? I don't think that's very smart. I mean, I, God's way smarter than I am. And he really knows what he's doing. I will pray with you about it. I will try and hear what God says with you together. Yes. But God has way more to tell us. He uses prophecy to open that conversation. He wants to talk to you. He uses situations in life. He wants to talk to us. And he uses scripture, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, That's the one thing I want to zero in on. If we consider that there are 66 books in here, if you don't know that, that's true. 66 books. It took, it was 40 authors. It took 2,000 years to write, but it has an integrated message system that occurs outside of time. How strange is that? That's miraculous. This is a miraculous book. We have a miraculous book. We have a library that is unparalleled. And yet, a lot of times, this gathers dust, and we read some other stuff. Who is it? Dwight L. Moody said that the uh, um, Bible sheds a lot of light on the commentaries. So, so a, lot of, a lot of times, that's what we do. We, we go... And you say, I don't get it, so you read a commentary. Well, I, a lot of times, read a commentary and go, that isn't even scriptural. So I would switch commentaries. So anyway, <clears throat> all right, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. I'm going to, those of you who don't know where Acts is, it's okay. Um, you go to the very front, and there's a table of contents, and you can find out the page that Acts begins on. And so then you, let's turn to Acts chapter 17. It's after the Gospels. Luke, John, Acts. Verse 17, I mean, chapter 17. So you go to the chapter heading first at 17, and then verse 11. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Salonika. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. And I love this part, to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greeks, uh, not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So the measuring stick that they used was the word of God. They found out that these things were so because the things lined up with this. We don't try and make science work with this. This is the measuring stick, and science will come to the truth. They will. How much time has science has changed? A lot. We used to believe the world was flat. This says it's round. And all of a sudden, oh, it's proven by science. We used to believe in spontaneous generation, which means that, those of you who are thinking high school science, that they put a piece of meat under a cover, and all of a sudden these flies appeared, and they said, oh, life comes out of nothing. Yeah, we laugh because we know the truth. That's not what this says. So science will line up with 
with the truth. This is the truth. This is the measuring stick. Don't forget, this is the measuring stick. Don't try and stuff the Bible with science where it doesn't belong. Because you'll have egg on your face when science is disproved. <clears throat> I just finished a Bible study um, uh, that studied the six days of creation. And oh my goodness, there's so much science that proves the six days of creation. But I'm not going to go there. Okay, Colossians. I mean, Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. Just a few pages toward the beginning. Matthew 13. I love the wrestle of the pages of the Bible. Matthew 13, 52. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings forth out of his treasure new things and old. You should have in you, if you've been walking with Jesus, you should have old things inside your heart. And you should have new things. If you don't have new things, then you're not asking questions and you're not listening. Because the Holy Spirit is called our teacher. Now I'm going to share with you some things today and you're going to go, oh, okay. And some of them you're going to go, well, that makes sense to her, but it doesn't make sense to me. Well, that's okay. It's my revelation, right? So... <clears throat> So God understands us, and he knows what we, that we like to discover. We send people to discover new lands. We send people out into space. We send people to the Oregon Trail. We, send, we love to discover. We love to discover new things. We give awards to discovering new things in science and in literature and all of those things. We love to discover. We're made that way. We are made that way. When we read uh, a chapter in Bible, um, which we were doing, Kaya already talked about that, and um, I thought I'd share some Easter eggs. Those of you who are young enough to know what Easter eggs are, they're not stuff that you hang. It's the movies that, never mind. <coughs> Ask your grandchild. Um, anyway, I want to share some things, some treasures that are hidden that I feel intensify our understanding. So let's look at it. That's why the first thing you do, you look at the scripture, you look at it, and number two, you pray into it, and then you stop at the, what? What? Wait, huh? You stop at that place, because that is X marks the spot. God wants to explain that place to you. Not everybody's going to have the same, what? What? Not everybody's going to have that same stop. But in that place, God's ready to explain that part of the scripture to you. That's what I found. He's ready to explain it to you. The first time I listened, the first time I asked the question, it took 12 years to find that answer. Ooh, now I can get an answer in a week or a day, sometimes an hour. Because I'm more practiced at listening than I used to be. My positioning is better. I don't know. There's probably a lot of stuff. But then you listen, and you dig, and you wait. And you will get the answer. You will get the answer. 
Okay, the scriptures use all kinds of literary devices, and one such tool is a pun. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to explain what a pun is, because a lot of times I'll tell people, oh, God uses puns in the Bible, and they'll go, oh, wait, what's a pun? If you don't remember what a pun is, it's a bad dad joke, you know. Dad jokes are always like bad puns, groaners, right? Not like this one. Everyone thinks my runny nose is funny, but it's not. (laughs) Bad dad joke, okay? A bicycle cannot stand on its own because it's too tired. (laughs) Atheism is a non-profit institution. So these are all puns, and guess what? In the scripture, God uses puns as well. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, that is a pun. It's a very good translation. In the beginning is an absolutely good translation. But another way to look at it, to hear it, we all know that bicycles have two tires, but too tired made it. Oh, okay. It's the same kind of thing. It's a good translation. I'm not saying it's bad. But another translation that is equally as good is through the firstborn. What? Through the firstborn, God created the heavens and the earth? Wow. That puts a whole new meaning on it. It's still in the beginning. It's both. So don't just say, oh, that's a bad translation. It's not. It's a good translation. It's just a pun. So if you read Hebrew, you would get that pun immediately because it's in Hebrew. Okay? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach in the Spanish service. And I said to Maggie, you need to look up some puns in, in, in Spanish for me because my, these won't translate. And so she did, and they're great, funny. Anyway, anyway <clears throat> but if you read Hebrew, you're not gonna, you, are, you are going to get the pun, but if you read English, you're not. It's not untranslatable. <clears throat> but we realize through that that Jesus Christ is the creator. John 1 starts the same way. John wrote his gospel to the Hebrew people. So when he said, in the beginning, he, was, he meant the pun. He meant the pun, because in John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Through him, everything was created, and nothing was made that wasn't made without him. So what they're doing, do you see what he's explaining the pun? And they're going, oh, through the firstborn. I get it. So he's explaining it. And it's really important I mean, does that, does that a ha get you? Does that resonate with you? Is that like, oh, I never saw that, right? Some of you might have known that before, but does that make the Bible come more alive? It really makes it come alive when you're the one that discovers it. It's like, oh, look what I found. I've explained it to you, and it does, it's lost a little bit of that, but not everything. <clears throat> okay, going back to Genesis... I'm, I'm going through some of, the, some of the word that you've already read. If you're reading the chapter a day that we're reading in the scripture. Um, so Genesis chapter 5. 
Yeah, you, you can turn there if you want to, but it's, the, <laughs> it's something that we most of the time skip over because it is the genealogies. And it's like, what's in the genealogies? Oh, okay, this guy lived, his name was this, he lived this long, he had this many kids, and then he begat this person who lived this long. And, you know, you read it and you kind of go, what am I supposed to get out of this? Well, let me tell you. The, me- the message is in the meanings of the names in the Bible, and sometimes they have great significance. <clears throat> so here we have, yep, here we have Adam, which means man. Seth, Adam's son, means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared shall come down. Enoch, teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, the despairing. Noah, rest or comfort. Let's put that together. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Wow, are you kidding? The gospel is in chapter 5 of Genesis. Who would have thought? Right along with through the firstborn. I mean, Jesus is there right in the beginning of the Bible. We didn't twist anything around. And I will again guarantee you that these people, it went from Adam to Noah I was going to figure out how many years that was. That's a long time. Okay, really long time. <clears throat> they didn't all get together because they weren't all alive at the same time and say, hey, let's name our kids this so that it means this. This was the Holy Spirit. This was the Holy Spirit. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Yes. Amazing, huh? I love it. I love it. Who would have known? Only the Holy Spirit can do such things. And it's clear through the Bible. And I am just, I am guaranteed that I have not found every little nugget of wonder in the Word of God. And neither have you. And neither did Billy Graham. And neither, I mean, the Bible is amazing and it's full of beauty and wonder and it's sharp and it's powerful. And what I want to give you today is a, oh, I got to go back and read that book. I got to look at my questions again. I got to be serious about this. I got to listen and think and listen again. Okay, let's go to, Je- to Exodus, and Kaya talked about that this morning, and I'm so glad. Um, because this was my first, this is my first, what? I was in my 20s, <laughs> pretty much after I'd just gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit. Been saved for a long time, but didn't know that the Bible could really be today and updated. So I was wondering this, and it says, um, it's in, all in the deliverance of Israel from slavery. And there was a problem with me because it says many times that God would harden Pharaoh's heart. What? 
we have free will. Anybody can choose Jesus. You mean everybody but Pharaoh? That doesn't make sense to me, God. I don't get that. Poor Pharaoh. He had his heart hardened and he had no choice in the matter. This doesn't make sense and this isn't right. I don't get it. So I scratched my head about that. This is the one that took me 15 years to figure out. And I, you know, I didn't spend all 15 years every day going, okay, God, what about Pharaoh? But, but eventually, I had understanding. And I will explain my understanding to you, and it might not work for you. You might go, I still don't get it. And that's okay. But it works for me. So I'm going to tell you my aha. And that is... <clears throat> If you take a piece of clay and you put it in the fire, it hardens, right? If you take a candle and you put it in the fire, it melts, it softens. Moses and Pharaoh were before the Lord. The fire of God comes and Moses' heart is softened and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Why? Because of the components in his heart. Because of what he believed. Because of what he held on to. In spite of the fact that the wonders of God were before him all the time. Ten wonders. Ten signs. Because every one of the signs, every one of the wonders of God was tied to an to a, um, Egyptian God. And God was saying, I'm better than that. I'm more powerful than that. I'm really in control of that. You can pray to that God if you want to, but I'm ahead of that. And he did it again and again and again, and I could say again 10 times because he did it 10 times. And if you read carefully in that scripture, it talks about God says to Moses, I'm going to bring wonders before Pharaoh, and it was plagues to Pharaoh. It plagues to Pharaoh, wonders to the house of Israel. Wow, it's a miracle. And God was defining who he was to the people of God. They didn't know who he was. It had been 350 years since, since they first sojourned in, in Egypt to, to not starve to death. It was a long time. They had influence from the outside, and God hadn't really defined himself very well to the 12 children who came there. So now he's defining himself. I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. Well, who are you? Moses comes and says, ha, huh, I talked to that God. He is the great I am. <clears throat> Which means he's everything. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But Moses' heart softened before the Lord. And Pharaoh's heart hardened. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these things and consider them. So when you go to read your word, when you go to read the Bible and you come to a, a passage that you don't understand, don't skip over it. Don't skip over it. Go, God, I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me? And I will guarantee one of a million things will happen. Either you'll get understanding right away, which is rare for me, but... Um, or you'll dig a little bit and you'll find out what the original language was. Or you'll hear somebody talk about it and you'll go, oh. And maybe your question was, wait a second, what about Pharaoh? How come his heart was hardened? 
And maybe today's answer was good, for, good enough for you as well. Pharaoh did have a chance. He had a choice. He could have. He could have bowed to God. Even Nebuchadnezzar bowed to God. Come on. Pharaoh did have a chance. But he didn't. Because he was, <laughs> he was convinced he was God. Pharaoh was the ultimate God in Egypt. And he was the last one that was defeated when his firstborn died. Because of the power of God. Okay. Okay, we're going to take communion. And um, so, in that, I want to um, give you some time. Um, it's going to, uh, the ushers are going to pass it out. And, but I want to pray with you. And I want you to ask God. Are there hard places in my heart that are hardening because you show up, God? Or is my heart soft before you? Are there places where I say, oh, God, you can go this far and no further? Are there places in your heart that go, I don't want to go there, God. Can we not talk about that? Because those places are hard places. Those places will harden when God shows up. They will not melt. They will harden. We must bring those things to God. There's a revival going on right now in Asbury. If you haven't heard about that, maybe you live in a closet somewhere. I don't know. But, um, but there, I mean, right now, last count, last count, let's see. Last count was two days ago. Last count that I saw was 20 schools now have moves of the Holy Spirit on their campuses, which is so amazing to me because the last three years I've had a, I've joined with a group of people who are interceding for the campuses, college campuses. And, and I'm going, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Dutch Sheets had a prophetic word that talked about, um, about this move of the Holy Spirit. He said it was going to be, he, this word was given in 2001, a long time ago. But he said it was going to be not man-centered, but God-centered. And if you're reading anything about the revival, nobody's preaching. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's just moving. He's just healing out of nowhere, seemingly, out of his presence. Go ahead and pass that. He's just healing. He's just working. He's just doing. And what's happening is the fire of God is coming and the softening of hearts is happening. Oh, Jesus, help us to have hearts that will soften when the fire of God comes. That's what I want. And, and in that, there's been a whole lot of something called the R word, repentance. I know that G during the Jesus movement... Nope. Nope, it wasn't during the Jesus. It doesn't matter. Um, we used to have meetings at our house a long, long time ago, and um, the kids would come. And would just, my house would have 60 kids in it, and they would end up with, on their faces before God, weeping. I had nothing to do with it. In fact, I'm going to God, and I'm going, after about three or four months of this happening, I'm going, God, when do we come to the end of this? 
Really? Every time we get together, people are weeping and on their faces and repenting before you? What in the world? When does this end? And God, in his wonderful way of speaking to me, says something very pithy and very small, and it's very large when he says it. And he said to me, Jan, how often do you take a shower? Oh, you mean repentance is like ongoing, like forever and always? If you don't want hard spots in your heart, that's exactly what it is. When God says, "Eh," when you start saying, oh, but, you know, uh, know, everybody else is doing that. No. Oh, but it's okay, isn't it? God, why why are you bringing that to my attention? I don't want to stop doing that. That's not repentance. Repentance means turning turning away from what God says. And you know what? If we, if we put out a list of things that you should and shouldn't do, it becomes, that's not Holy Spirit. That is not Holy Spirit at all. So what is he saying to you? What is he saying to me? What does it mean? What does it mean? My last, um, I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to hold those things for a little bit. I'm trying to figure out how to do this so that you didn't have to hold these elements because I know how difficult that is. So just be careful and don't spill them, but it's okay. And it's okay even if you do. But my last aha was in Jesus' sacrifice, and it was brought to me through several scriptures, but one of them was, it started, I guess, with... um, uh, Zechariah chapter 3 when it talks about the high priest Yeshua before the throne of God and, and he was just bringing sacrifice and his clothes were dirty because of the sacrifice and, and according to Leviticus he takes off the, those clothes and they're left in the holy place because they are holy they're dirty but they're holy and so I started looking at that and I went oh my goodness so John the Baptist He states to Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, which is one statement, that takes away the sin of the world. Behold not, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of Israel, which would have made sense. I mean, he's talking to Jewish people. Nah. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. No greater prophet than John the Baptist, Jesus said. Oh, my goodness. Right then. He's the Messiah, but he's the Messiah for the world. The word that that he said, the Lamb of God, was uh, amnos, which means lamb. There's 12 words in Hebrew for lamb. 12. That's like there's 12 words for us for rain, right? It's spitting. It's just, anyway. But it depends on your culture, and our culture is rain. Anyway, (laughs) but behold, the Lamb of God, the Amnos of God, the specific kind of Lamb, the Lamb that was used for sacrifice, the Lamb that was used for redemption. So he says, this is the Passover Lamb that's going to be sacrificed for the world, for for sins, for the world. Wow. That's a big statement, John. So Jesus is our sacrifice. He is also, Hebrew says, he is our high priest. Okay, wait a second. He's the high priest who 
does the sacrifice. So he is the high priest and he's the lamb that's being sacrificed. I know this is difficult. It's really hard to, what? How can he be both? He is, he's God. Okay, he's the high priest who brings the sacrifice, who is himself. First John says that he's a propitiation for our sins. I had to, you know, what is that word? It means mercy seat. It was between the two cherubim in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the blood was poured. So, he is a sacrifice. He is a high priest who was sacrificed. He is the blood who is poured on to the propitiation to the mercy seat. And he is the mercy seat. Are you kidding? He's everything. When we say he is everything, it's the truth. He is the holy of holies. Where the sacrifice was made, there is nothing that we have that is a part of that except to say yes. Yes, I want your sacrifice. That is all, that's it. That's all we get is the yes. We, you can't do anything to bring yourself the salvation of God except to say yes. It's pretty easy. He's, he's not made it all that difficult. He's done the hard part. And it was really hard. The sacrifice of God was amazingly difficult. But he's the only one that could have done it. And he did it all. He is our everything. So the feasts of God were all about remembering. That's how people taught their children. That's how they learned. Every feast was about remembering. Remembering what God has done. So right now I want to take some time. I told you I was going to give you some time to repent, and I haven't done that yet, but that's the first thing. Over here, repent. And if this is the first time you've ever heard this, and if you go, I'm not sure exactly what you're saying, but I think I need it, because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit starts to draw people. I'm not sure what everything this means, but I think I need it. Then you need the sacrifice. You need the list of things, the, the, the blessed one shall come down bringing that redemption. You need to say yes to God. So if you need to say yes to God, it's really easy. Just go, God, yeah. I say yes to you. That's the beginning of new life. It'll happen. God's in charge. He did everything, right? He can do this part too. Then let's go to the hard places in your heart. The sins that you've covered up, not with his blood, but with the denial. With the, oh, it's not so bad. Or you lie to yourself. Bring that before the Lord. And repent. That means to turn. Turn away. Not going to do that anymore, God. And I'm not saying that you need to try not to do it. I'm saying that you need to give it to him and let him change your heart. Because it's a heart change. It's taking those... The, there's another scripture that talks about taking your heart of stone and turning it to a heart of flesh. So that's what... He, that's his... I can't... I can't do that. I can't do that myself. I certainly can't do it for you. So it takes repentance to do that. You say, yes, God. 
you can have that. It's a mess, and I'm ashamed of it, and it's dirty, and I don't even want to even talk about it. But Lord, you seem to want my mess. So I give that to you. So just take a couple of minutes, and I want you to come before the Lord. Say, Lord, say yes to him for the first time, or say yes to those hard places in your heart. Say yes to the salvation of the Lord. Say yes to the fact that he is your total sacrifice. Say yes that he is everything. And I'm going to sing this over you while you do that. If you can listen to the same thing. I mean, some of your deep... In, I, I don't want you to listen to me if you're deep into repentance, okay? So just keep on repenting, okay? But those of you who are... It's a quick thing. Will you be poured out like wine upon the altar for me? Will you be broken like bread to feed the hungry for me? Will you be so one with me that I will do just as I will? Will you be light and life and love your word fulfill? I'm going to sing that again. I want, I want to really have that come home to you. Will you do that? If you belong to Jesus, this is what he's asking. He says, the master is not created, the servant is not greater than the master if I give my life to you. I want you to be poured out for me. I'm going to sing it again, and this time, um, just listen, and I'll let you sing it too in just a minute. Will you be poured out like wine upon the altar for me? Will you be broken like bread to feed the hungry for me? Will you be so one with me that I may do just as I will? Will you be light and life and love your word fulfill. If you'll put the words on the screen, I want you to sing this with me. And if this is your heart, and if you say yes to this, yes, I'll be poured out like wine upon the altar for you. Yes, I'll be broken like bread to feed the hungry Yes, I'll be so one with you that you will do just as you will. Yes, I'll be light and life and love, your word fulfill. Yes, I'll be poured out like wine upon the altar for you. Yes, I'll be poured like bread to feed the hungry for you. Yes, I'll be so one with you that you can do just as you will. 
Yes, I'll be light and life and love, your word fulfill. And the praise team, just to bring some God worship stuff, background. And I want you to be able to just say, okay, this is communion. And what I want for you and for me, I want us to remember Jesus. Remember his sacrifice. Remember that he is the high priest. Remember that he is the sacrifice. He is the blood. He is the mercy seat on which the blood was poured. He is everything. He's the holy of holies. Remember him. Remember what he's done. Jesus said, when you do this, remember me. It's going to take some time. I want you to go through the litany of your life with Jesus and remember what has he done? What is he continuing to do? What are the miracles in the past? What are the things that he has considered? What are the things that he has done? Let's take some time. Don't worry about the time as this is taking. I just want you to be remembering Jesus. We're going to take this remembering his sacrifice. <laughs> 